But I just want to start by sharing a little story that I heard recently on the radio. And it was about a Jewish politician who went um, every week to the White House for a, a Bible study. And he went week after week, and one week, and everyone knew who he was. He was very well known. And one week they were having a guest speaker. Let me check the time here, by the way. Okay. Because Ann told me there's no clocks in here, so I'm going to make sure I get you guys out on time. <laughs> but anyway, so one week they had this special guest speaker, and at the end of the meeting, the guest speaker asked this man to get up and close out in prayer. So everyone in the room felt a little nervous. Oh, is he going to feel uncomfortable closing out this Christian prayer meeting? But he surprised everyone. He had everyone jump to their feet and grab hands, and this was his prayer. He said, may all Muslim people come to know the love of Jesus Christ. May all Jewish people come to know the love of Jesus Christ. And may all Christian people come to know the love of Jesus Christ. So this man understood the need of everyone everywhere to know the love of Jesus Christ. And you know, that is the primary message that we as Christians have, is to convey the good news of the gospel, that God loves you, that God's not mad at you, he's not holding anything against you, but he loves you. And I lived many years as a Christian um, without fully understanding just how much God loved me. And sometimes I would have fear moments that I wasn't doing enough, that I wasn't good enough. But I knew the scripture well enough to know that I had an assurance of my salvation, that I was going to go to heaven. And I knew, um, but I always saw God more as the father. I saw him more as an authority figure. And I think part of that had to do with my growing up years with my own earthly father. And he's a very good father. I love my dad very much. But my dad came from a home that didn't show a lot of affection. And so I grew up with three sisters, and my dad just never showed us a lot of affection. He wasn't the kind of daddy that you ran into his arms when something was wrong. He, uh, wasn't, he didn't give out hugs and kisses or tell you that he loved you, but he took care of us. And uh, he's changed a lot. Now my daddy has been filled with the Holy Spirit, and he would hug every one of you in this room today. He's that kind of man. But when I was growing up, I, he, I was kind of afraid of him. He was the one, you know, my mom would say, just wait till your father gets home. And uh, we had reason to be in fear because we'd get in trouble a lot. But that's how I, so I had this figure of who dad was, of who my father was. And I carried that around a lot of who I thought God was. But I heard someone say something one day that I've never forgotten. They said, God is not an angry God looking over the shoulder of a loving Jesus. God and Jesus are one and the same. Jesus, God sent Jesus into this earth to show us who he was. Jesus lived out the way he lived his life was to show us who the Father was. If you want to see who God is, look at Jesus. And I'm so grateful that God's acceptance of me is not dependent on me. That God looks at me through the eyes of Jesus. 1 John 4.19 says we love him because he first loved us. God loved us before we ever loved him. 
He loved us. His love is not dependent on us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus, and we are accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He made us accepted. His acceptance is nothing we ever need to strive for. We already have it. Isn't that a relief? Isn't there freedom in that? That he accepts us because of Jesus. We don't have to earn it. You know, in the world, we have to earn our acceptance. But with God, we are given it freely. 1 John 3, 2 said, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. So we are also referred to as the beloved. And I love looking up definitions of words and listen to what that word beloved means. This is what God thinks of you. Dearly loved, greatly loved, dear to the heart, held dear, valued, prized, treasured, cherished. Isn't that what every human heart craves? To be cherished, to be loved, to be prized above all else. Jesus always accepted everyone who came to him, and he still does. He never changes. He's always the same. John 6, 37 says, All the Father gives to me, gives me, will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You will never be rejected by Jesus. Jesus, we are accepted in him. Now, I just want to read a little quote from a book that I got a hold of a few years ago. It's a pretty old book. Some of you may have heard of it. It's called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Anyone ever hear of it? A couple people. It was written by a man named Brennan Manning, and this man had such a revelation. He was a Catholic priest, and he had such a revelation of the love of God. And some of his things I would just have to read over and over and over. And this little paragraph I want to read to you is one of those things. I had to read it so many times to get it. So just get this picture in your mind. If Jesus appeared at your dining room table tonight with knowledge of everything you are and are not, total comprehension of your life story, and every skeleton hidden in your closet, if he laid out the real state of your present discipleship with the hidden agenda, the mixed motives, and the dark desires buried in your psyche, you would feel his acceptance and forgiveness. For experiencing God's love in Jesus Christ means experiencing that one has been unreservedly accepted, approved, and infinitely loved. Isn't that beautiful? God loves us as we are, not as we need to be, but just as we are. He accepts us just as we are. God's love is unconditional. I love the songs that we sang tonight because it really preached everything that I want to share tonight. Those songs were beautiful. His love for us doesn't change according to what kind of day we're having. If we're walking in the spirit or if we have a flesh moment, God loves us just the same. He loves us just as we are. Our acceptance from him is based on one thing alone, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. When we stand before him one day, it's Jesus' blood that's going to speak for us. When, when we stand before him, it's Jesus, because of Jesus, that we are accepted in him. 
And all of us throughout our lives have had those moments of being accepted and being rejected. And we all know that acceptance is much better. In these past couple of years, I received a moment of acceptance like none other. It is something that has brought me the greatest joy in my life out of the deepest pain point. And uh, Pastor Ann asked if I would share this testimony with you tonight. And I do it with great joy. It's something that has changed my life forever. So to explain what that is, I have to share with you a little bit about my story growing up and how I came to where I am. When I was growing up, I was really privileged to have two parents who both knew Jesus as their savior. But our home was not without problems. My mother lost both of her parents when she was 11 years old. She went through the foster care system and she went through a lot of troubles in her life. And she carried that into her life when she got married. There were just things that she never dealt with, didn't know how to, even though she knew Jesus. And she would continually go to him. She fell in depression, she got sick. I remember my mom was on a lot of medication throughout the years. She spent a lot of time in her bedroom. And so we just didn't always have her around a lot, but she was a very, very loving woman and she would, she would give everything that she, that she could. And God did bless her life and, and she, she overcame many things in her life. And then I shared a little bit about my dad earlier. He was, he was a, kind of a hard man growing up and he had a lot of stressful things that he was going through. And so we went to church all the time, and we would show up, and we'd, all my sisters and I sitting in the pew, and, and, and in our church, you had to sit and look straight ahead, and you couldn't, you know, look around or doing anything, or else Dad's hand would come down and grab your knee. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a very different kind of church, but, but I learned some great things there. And as a little girl, it was, um, as a little girl, I just remember knowing that if I asked Jesus in my heart, when I died, I would go to heaven. And so as a little girl sitting in the pew very quietly, we didn't, we didn't have altar calls in our church, but I remember seeing the cross at the front of the church and quietly in my heart just asking Jesus to come in and to forgive me. But you know, I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to live my life. There were so many rules. I didn't know how to keep the rules. And I didn't have very good self-esteem. I was a very shy person and um, didn't have a lot of self-worth. And so when I was introduced to drugs and alcohol at 13 years old, when I got my first taste of it, it got me hooked because it made me feel better in the moment. But you know, the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for the moment. It's just for a season. And if you continue down that road, it's going to ruin your life. So I, I just want to read something to you out of the Mirror Bible. It's uh, Romans 129, and this sums it up really good. Sin snowballs. It spreads like cancer, exhibiting its ugly symptoms in every possible form, from perverse sexual obsession to every kind of atrocity, the problem with sin is that it never satisfies, leaving the victim miserable, unfulfilled, and constantly craving for more of the same deception, vileness, jealous anger, obsessed only with self.
Can anyone identify with that? <laughs> Ever had that problem in your life? Well, at 19 years of age, somehow I finished high school because through my high school years is when I got really messed up. And I remember I would try to stay high from the time I got up in the morning till the time I went to bed at night. I would smoke a joint on my way down to the bus, go out with my friends during the day, during school. But somehow, I made it through. And I did graduate high school, and I had a job. Um, at the age of 16, I lost my virginity. I was pretty innocent. I didn't know what was happening. And at the end of it all, when I realized what I had done, shame, guilt, and condemnation entered in. And I felt like, surely, if all these other things I've been doing don't make God mad, surely this one is sending me straight to hell. And so what it did is that it spiraled me into the sin even more because I was trying to cover the pain. I was trying to cover the shame and the condemnation. And so at 19 years old, I had a boyfriend, and we were living in the Chicago area at the time, and he was moving to Florida. So I begged my boyfriend to take me with him. I left my home in the middle of the night. I left a note in my parents' mailbox and just told them that they would be better off without me. And I thought, now I'm going to have my life of freedom. Things are going to get better. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't have to live this double life. But you know, it didn't happen that way. Things went downhill really quick. And um, the boyfriend that I had ended up to be an abuser. I was abused physically. I was abused emotionally. I remember having black eyes and chipped teeth. And somehow I still stayed around. But after a couple of months uh, down there in Florida, I found myself pregnant. And then, so on top of it all, now I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was trying to think of ways that I could just end my life, just end it all. It was just getting, it was all getting very, very painful. And I want to read a quote by Pastor Rick Warren. He said, in your most profound and intimate experiences of worship will likely be in your darkest days, when your heart is broken, when you feel abandoned, when you're out of options, when the pain is great and you turn to God alone. And I found that to be very true. When I got to that point where I didn't want to live anymore, I remember just taking off, walking down the street one day, and I came upon this church, and I remembered God. I always, I never forgot God, you know, and God never left me. I walked away from him, but he never left me. He was always there. God doesn't kick you out of the family when you mess up. And I made that commitment as a little girl. And so I got to this church, and I knocked on the door, and no one was there. And so I walked around to the back, and I just sat on those stairs of the church, and I just put my, my head in my hands, and I called out to God, and I said, God, if there's any way you can help me, please help me. And I walked away just feeling like nothing changed, everything's the same. But the very next morning... I went to the place where I was working, and my parents showed up. And I had no idea they were coming. Somehow they tracked me down. And I acted like everything was wonderful, and I'm so happy to be here, and it's good to see you. Glad you came by to visit. But at 3 o'clock in the morning, I went to their hotel room and knocked on their door and just poured out my heart to them and told them everything. 
And my parents' reaction was God working through them. It was the grace of God. They just loved me. And they said that you are welcome to come home. And so I packed up my bags and I went home with my parents. And they helped me through the pregnancy. And I went back to church with them. And here's a good thing. You know, a lot of people have bad stories about their church experiences. Well, let me give you a good one. I went back to that little church that I grew up in. And here I came back just so filled with shame and condemnation for the life I'd been living. And I show up pregnant with a big belly. And if anyone in that church was talking bad about me, I never knew it. Because they loved me. They reached out to me. And my pastor reached out to me and different families, and they would take time and talk with me. And everyone in my life at that time and, uh, told me that the best thing to do would be to give my baby up for adoption. And I saw no, no other way out. My parents were not in a position to help me raise my little baby. And, and so right up to the time of his birth, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember the father, uh, my boyfriend, came to the hospital at that time, and we got into a big blowout, and I just, that was God right there just confirming to me that this was not the right thing to bring my baby into. And I know that everybody has to make their own decisions, and this was very, very hard for me to share with people because I know that, that I was always afraid of judgment, that people would judge me for what I did, for placing my baby for adoption. And I remember even being with people and you would hear stories about, uh, I would hear stories about uh, different girls giving their babies for adoption and people would say, oh, I could never do that. And I would just shrivel up inside and just again, that condemnation and that whole cycle would come again. And you know, it just really taught me a lesson to be careful with my words, to always be kind and not to be judgmental. Not that I haven't missed it, I have. I've been judgmental too. But you know, we really need to be careful because you never know what that person has gone through that you're talking to, that you're ministering to. And so um, I, excuse me, I went through a Christian adoption agency and placed my baby with a Christian family. And I was told that I may never see my baby again. And it was the hardest day of my life. It was the hardest decision that I ever need, had to make. And I remember going with my parents and signing the papers. And we left that place. And they asked me if I was OK. And then we never talked about it again. We just didn't know how to. They didn't know how to. I didn't know how to. So I just shoved down that pain and went on with my life. But you know, God didn't leave me there. God met me. He opened up a job for me in a Christian organization. I met a girl who became my best friend. She started talking to me about the things of God like I had never heard about. She shared with me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I started going to church with her. I started learning about how to renew my mind to the word of God, about casting down thoughts, about learning about who I was in Christ that I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you know, all those tools that God gave me helped me start to heal from that pain that I was carrying. And I ended up going away to Bible school where I met my husband, Keith. And uh, within a couple uh, weeks of getting to know my then boyfriend, Keith, 
uh, I shared with him my story. And again, God's grace was given to me, and he just loved me. And he said that it didn't matter and that, it, well, finally, year, months went by, and we talked about getting married. And he said whatever happens in the future, he was ready for it. And he, he accepted me for who I was. It was another gift from God. And we went on and started our ministry. We lived for a year overseas and then came back and started going back and forth. And God put all these things in our hearts through these years to help other people. And, and through the years, God has given me opportunities to share with young women that were going through the th same thing that I did at that time in my life. And we had two sons of our own, and God blessed us. And um, at the right time, we shared with them about their brother. But I never knew if I would ever see him again. And I accepted that. And I would pray for him all the time and just pray for his life and pray that he would know the Lord. And I, you know, I didn't know if he hated me. I didn't know what he thought about me. I was so afraid that if I ever did meet him, there could be rejection again. And so it was, uh, I just never felt that it was right for me to, um, to try and find him to intrude into his life because it was a closed adoption. And so um, about five years ago, though, I was praying for him, and I just had this strong prompting of the Holy Spirit that put me on the road to find my son. And that prompting of the Holy Spirit was to call the adoption agency and to see if he had ever contacted them. And I found out that he did and that he was interested, but then he didn't pursue anything. But that was the green light for me to, to start that journey to find my son. And it was scary. It was emotional. And the way we did it is they, I, I sent a letter to the agency, and then they passed it on to my son because they couldn't give me any information about him except his first name. And they said that he was, they called me back and told me that he was so excited and thought things that were going to happen very rapidly, so to get ready. And, and then the emotional roller coaster started again, and it took two years for my son to contact me. And he needed that time just to process and to know whether this is something that he wanted to pursue. And I gave him all my information. Thank God for uh, the way things are today, how it's so easy to contact people. I gave him Facebook and Internet and we, all of our um, websites and everything, every, any way that he could have to possibly contact me. And so after two years, and thank God my kids made me get on Facebook many years ago. So... <laughs> After two years, I got a friend request from someone named Ross, and I knew that this was my son. And I accepted that friend request and wrote him a little note and thanked him for writing me. And again, it went silent. And so two more weeks went by. Christmas Day, I heard from my son for the first time after 33 years. God is so good. And I got a message from him just saying that he wanted to get to know me through Facebook. So again, thank God for, for these things that sometimes get us into trouble, but they can also be used for good. And so uh, I wrote him back right away, and then it went silent again, and then I waited another month and wrote him again, and nothing. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to give this to you. 
I'm just trusting you through this. I'm not going to push anything. Nine months later, Keith and I were getting ready to take a trip to Michigan, where his mom is, and we had some ministry in the area. And that's where my son Ross lives. And so I had another prompting of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, follow those promptings. This is one lesson that you can learn tonight. When you listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says, it will always be good. It will always turn out good, even if it doesn't make sense to you. If you don't follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to turn out good. It will be bad. So always follow those promptings. Uh, Just to give you a funny story of not following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, one time I pulled up in my church parking lot, and we have basketball poles out there. And so you have to be careful where you park. So where I parked, the pole was right behind me, And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't park there because when you come out, you're going to forget you're there and you're going to run right into the pole. And I said, no, 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 I'll remember. It's okay. So I stayed there. Well, what do you think happened? Yes, I came out of church and I hit that pole and those words came right back to me. So that's just a little thing. I mean, that's just a wrecked car. But we can really wreck our lives sometimes if we don't follow those promptings. So it's a good thing. So I followed that prompting. And I said, if there's any way that you would like to meet, we're going to be there. And so I heard nothing and just said, okay, Lord, maybe this isn't the right time. But we're in the airport getting ready to take off, and I get a message from my son saying he wants to meet. And you know, God is so good, because if I had gotten that a few days before, you know how women are, we would want to have everything perfect. I would be obsessing over what I should wear and probably have to go get my roots dyed and whatever else, (laughs) but I didn't have to think about that. I was on my way. So um, Keith and I both just started crying buckets in in the airport there and were just so excited and called my other two sons and told them what was happening. Everyone was praying. We were all excited and they were actually coming with us too a couple days later. So um, on the day that my son and I met, we, we um, uh, set it up to meet in a coffee shop, and I, I think we have a picture of that. Um, there he is, that's Ross and his wife, Jen. <laughs> and so uh, we, when we first saw each other, he just came up and gave me a big hug. And that was a huge release, because like I said, I didn't know if he was gonna be angry. I'd still at this point, didn't know what he thought about me. And we sat down and I just said, can I share my story with you? And he said, yes. And so I started sharing with him the circumstances of the time and, and uh, answering every question that I could for him. And I just started crying. And he reached out and he took my hand and he said, it's okay. He said, everything turned out good. And when he said that, it's just like a burden was lifted off of me. It was just a gift from God. It was a gift that was the grace of God. That's something that I didn't even know if I would ever experience here on this earth. And after 33 years, God gave me that gift. And you know what? We're, since that time, it's been amazing. Um, two months after I met Ross, he came and spent a whole week in our home. We gave him the option of either putting him in a hotel or staying with us, but him and his wife chose to stay with us. 
And so we got to know him really well, and the boys came and hung out, and we all got to know each other. And it's just like we knew each other forever. It's just been the most amazing thing. It's been nothing but good. Not one negative thing has come out of it. They've come several times to stay in our home. We've stayed in their home. Since then, they've had a baby, and we have another picture. His name is Jack. <laughs> That's in my backyard with little Jack and Ross. And, uh, you know, when he was born, we said, well, what would you like him to call us? And they said, well, whatever you like. And so our other grandchildren call us Granny and Granddaddy. So now little Jack, we have another grandson, and we just feel so blessed that they've given us that privilege and, and led us into their lives like they have. So we Skype with each other at least every couple of weeks. We text together all the time. Um, just as much as I am in contact with my own children at, at home here, I, I as much touch with Ross. And it's just been an amazing journey, an amazing healing that God has done in both our, of our lives because he has been healed also. And I just want to say that wherever life leads, whatever challenges come my way, the one thing I'm sure of is that his love for me will never change. And he showed me that through the years. He's been faithful. He's been so faithful. And even if I never met Ross, I would still trust God. I would still trust him because of so many things that I've seen him do. And I know that his word is true. And we're, Keith and I are, all of us, we all have challenges in our lives. And we have some very painful things happening in our family right now that we're walking through. And we just have to trust him. We have to believe, just like that song we sang, that all things work together for good for those who love him. And no matter what we're walking through, no matter what's in our past, our present, or what's coming up in the future, one thing we can know is that God never changes, that God will always be faithful to us. He's going to help us walk through whatever we're going through. God wants us to walk in wholeness and healing, and he provided that through Jesus. We just need to trust him and be, let him be a part of our lives, receiving his acceptance, his mercy, and his help. I want to read you a, a Bible verse out of the Message Bible. It's Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. It says, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, the great high priest, with ready access to God, Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it at all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is ready to give. Take the mercy, receive the help. And that's what I want to leave with you tonight. Take the mercy, receive the help. Don't let what Jesus has for you slip through your fingers. Take it. Reach out to him. Let him walk with you through those hard places, through those trials, through those times of pain. Maybe you're having a hard time with something in your past, something that you went through, maybe the way someone treated you. You know, one thing I learned right away with the father of my son is to release him, to forgive him. And so, you know, when it came time when Ross was asking me questions about him, I had no problem telling him all the good things about his father. 
whatever I could remember that was good. That's what I told him. I didn't want to share any of the things that would give him a bad picture of his dad. We were both very young. Look what God did, did in me. He changed me. He made me a new person. And I'm, he could have done the same for his dad. I don't know where his dad is today. But I do know that God is there for him, just like for each one of us. When we have Jesus, we have access to everything we could possibly need in life. He knows what we're going through, and we have ready access to him. So whatever, he's made provision for all the pain, physical, emotional, whatever it is, God has made provision through what Jesus did at the cross. Do I have time for just a couple more verses? Um, Psalm 34, 18 says, if your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If, you've, if you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Isn't that good? Have any of you felt that in a painful time, like you've been kicked in the gut by something someone has said or done to you? He's right there. He'll help you catch your breath. We just need to reach out to him. Another verse is Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He's always there for us, no matter what you've gone through. And Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Some other translations, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. He will never quit on you or abandon you. I will not, will not, will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you nor let you down. Assuredly not. He's never going to leave us. He's always there for us. Whatever you're going through, he wants to be a part of it. He wants to be there for us. So we need to trust him. That word trust means assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone. One on which confidence is placed, dependence on someone. And I hope tonight that maybe if you came in here with something that was bothering you, maybe earlier when Anne prayed, you had to cast your care you know, we had to cast our care before we came in here. And something that Keith and I got some disappointing news on the way here tonight. And I just had to cast that on the Lord. And you know, when I came in here during the worship, God spoke to my heart about that situation. Before I came in, we cast that care. I come in here and he said, he said to me, don't look to that person as your solution that you were disappointed about. I'm your solution keep your eyes on me. And that just really just took all that burden off. And that's what we need to do is keep our eyes on Jesus. Let him walk with us. Talk to him. Spend time with him. He will be there for you. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. He's always there for us. He's always the same. He knows everything you have done and will do and his love never changes. And then I just have one last thing to say. When you know beyond all doubt that you are your father's delight, you will be set free. You need to know how much God loves you, how much he cherishes you, and how much he wants to do for you. So you know, life never turns out how we think it's going to. 
It's always different. But God is always there for us, even in the disappointments. And so I want to pray for all of you tonight. And maybe there's someone in this room that has never received Jesus as your Savior. You've never received what he did at the cross. And you know, that's not anything that you have to be afraid of. Some people think, well, i got to change my ways. I'm going to have to do this and that and get all cleaned up before God will ever accept me. Remember, God accepts you as you are. When you invite him in, you will want to make the changes. He makes the changes in you. And it all doesn't happen overnight. But he will make those changes. You don't have to worry about it. You just take the first step and receive what he did for you. Or maybe you're like me. You made some bad choices and you've been walking down a path where you've kind of turned away from God. You know, all it takes tonight is just turning around, opening up your heart. He's right there. He never left you. So just turn back to him. Start talking to him again. He's already forgiven you. What Jesus did at the cross was once and for all. He died for the sin of the world once and for all. So you are forgiven. You are righteous. You are right in his eyes. And then lastly, I just want to pray for anyone that maybe has gone through something very painful in the past or something that you're walking through right now. We have uh, members in our family right now that are going through divorces. It's a very, very painful time. It's very painful to watch. It's very painful to see. And I, I know in a room this size, there are people that have experienced that or have experienced abortions or maybe experienced what I did, had to give a child up or lost your children for some reason or the other. Whatever it is, God is there for you. There, you can't do anything bad enough for God not to love you. And so I just want to pray for anyone that's going through a painful situation. So I just want us to all just close our eyes and we're going to pray. And if any of those things that I mentioned, if that applies to you and, and you want prayer, I just want you to slip up your hand so I know that I'm praying for some people that need some help. And I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Well, Father, we just come to you in the name of your precious son, Jesus. We thank you for your overwhelming love, your love that never changes. We thank you that you are always the same, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, for those that are in here tonight that want to experience your love for the first time, want to experience your forgiveness for the first time, Lord. And I just want everyone to pray with me for maybe a sister in here who's doing that for the first time. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I ask that you forgive me for all my sin. I open up my heart to you. I ask Jesus to come in and make me a new person. And I thank you that one day I will be in heaven with you. Hallelujah. Well, if you prayed that for the first time, Jesus is your Savior. You are a Christian. You are a new creature in Christ. And Father, if there's anyone here that's turning back to you after walking away, Father, I just pray that you make your presence so real to them. You make your peace so real to them tonight, Father. Thank you that you've never left them, but that you meet them here tonight, Lord. And also for anyone who's walking through a painful time in their life, Lord, I just pray 
Lord Jesus, that you heal. I thank you that you said in your word that you heal the brokenhearted, that you set the captives free, Father. So I pray that you just allow us tonight, Father, to walk in forgiveness of those that have hurt us, to reach out, Father, to you and receive that healing from you. I thank you that you heal hearts right now, Lord, that you heal minds right now, that you heal memories right now, Lord Jesus, and that we can walk free of all of that. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just give all these things to you. Amen.